up, nerds? And welcome back to your weekly movie review podcast. That's right, you're locked in and tuned in to the three. FN Podcast, and this week we had to call an audible, so in the 3FN Movie Club Review of the Week, we will be reviewing the 1994 classic Clerks, but before we can get there, we are coming to you from the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games, I'm your host Rich, and the nerds are all here, first, he is the man that we're still booing to this very day. Because fuck him, he isn't working right now, you lucky son of a bitch. I'm talking about Ron. And I'm still getting paid, so what's happening? And unfortunately, if you would have gone down on the right person, we might have a different discussion today. <laughs> and then, of course, he's the man that doesn't need an introduction. Yet he has the longest introduction at all of podcasting. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you hashtag Big Natty Cool. Hashtag Mad Dog Strong Style. Hashtag Challenge Accepted. Hashtag Diesel Malenko. Because he's the man. Of a thousand and four hashtags. He is the leader of the Minnows Gang and is your favorite podcaster's favorite podcaster. He's the man, the myth, and the legend rolled into one jolly old ginger bearded feller. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you Diesel. Hashtag retail all-star. <laughs> you don't feel like an all-star. Oh, I can promise you that much. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, rough weekend. You know, yes. if we didn't have to, if it wasn't for DMCAs, I could have just played uh, some Smash Mouth for you. <laughs> and I think you would have enjoyed that. Very much so. Straight from the heart. He can't even talk right now. <laughs> Fushu Ming was a banger of an album. The pre-all-star. That was a great album. I'm still going to argue that the guy couldn't sing. But that's fine. Yeah, I'm still going to argue that he might be Guy Fieri or uh, Violent J. <laughs> Good job. Good job. It could, possibly. I've never seen any of those uh, three people in the same place at the same time. Mm -hmm. So they could all be the same person. Mm -hmm. In theory. Same haircut for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, Diesel, I might as well kick it off with you this week because you kind of already kind of dipped into it. How's been your week? It's been... Uh, so it's been one week it, since you looked at me. Those <laughs> <laughs> bare naked ladies. Don't don't be crossing streams on we're, that. We're gonna we're gonna cross streams all day. If you keep making musical references, I'm gonna keep hitting them out of the park. <laughs> uh, Thanksgiving was good. Got to visit my family. Had a good day that day, and then I I, I did my first Black Friday as retail for the first time in probably 18 years. Oh boy, it was a long weekend, and it, it wasn't so bad here at Dragon Master Games, but it was, it was busy. It was busy, and people are dumb. Customers as a whole, kind of stupid. Yes, we are. <laughs> well, I, I I can agree with that completely. Ronald, how's been your week? You j not working motherfucker, it's, and not, mind you, getting paid. Yeah, you know, it's been great. You can't complain. Thanksgiving went without a hitch. You know, we my brother-in-law did all the cooking, so I just got to sit there and eat all the food and. We even ended up into an epic game of Cards Against Humanity. Nice. So, you know, that was that. Worked overtime on Friday, which I realized at 5 o'clock in the morning was a bad idea. <laughs> but I still went in and got that done because uh, it was all volunteer overtime. So I might as well get some extra cash. And, you know, other than that, I mean, unfortunately, I had an aunt pass away. But, you know, mm -hmm. things like that happen. So, you know. Sorry to hear that your aunt passed away. Yeah, but other than that, you know, can't really complain. However, even with that being said. Move this man! That will continue into January. 
All right. Well, my week was uh, was really good. I had two Thanksgiving dinners, and you know, as a proper fat guy should. Uh, I also got to go out of town and see our friend George up in Geneva. So that was nice to get out of town and uh, chat with him and see him and the kids and. I, you know, pretty much relaxing, had a good time, and uh, very happy. And I hope everybody at home also had a wonderful, if you're in the States, I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving week. If you don't celebrate Thanksgiving, that's fine as well, as long as you had a good week. And our international listeners, you're like, why the fuck is that a big deal? Well, for fat people, we love us some Thanksgiving, because it gives us an excuse to stuff ourselves. And for the shopaholics and greedy motherfuckers, it gives them an excuse to come bother Diesel. It's a, it's a wonderful uh, mix here in the United States. It's really, technically, I, I know I said it before, and I'll say it again. It really is the United States under microscope pretty much gluttony and greed just pretty like much. jesus it's all american uh, you got you got to give it up for that you gotta give it up for that but before we jump into the show and also a big announcement before we jump into the show we gotta do take care of some business we gotta hit y'all with some of those awesome shameless plugs of course if you're looking for information about the 3fn podcast including where you can find us on social media you know how to what you know links to the show and everything else 3fnpodcast.com. It's your one-stop shop. All the social media links are on there. On top of that, there's a link to our Patreon. Patreon.com slash 3fnpodcast. For as little as $1 a month, you get a ton of extra bonus content. And if you join now before December 1st, you will be uh, put on the holiday gift card list. And one lucky, well, actually, technically one lucky $1 tier. Actually, it's going to be two people. But if you're on the $1 tier, you get one opportunity to win a gift card. If you're on the $3 tier, minnows tier which is the only two tiers there is you get two opportunities to win a gift card inside of your holiday card that's right we send out holiday cards to everybody boom two of you are gonna win two opportunities at the three dollar tier one at the one dollar tier we did it last year liked it so much we did it again it's also secret Santa. we don't announce it on the show we just let you wait find out when you open your card uh, so join now patreon.com slash 3fn podcast that's on the website though also the T public link is there if you want to buy some swag and support the show as well also friends of the show like the ultra duro parlay hour podcast they have their own section as well plus the musical directory where you can find the bands who let us use their music including the band that you hear do our theme song each and every week that is shout at the robots the song is called fail better you can check that out on spotify youtube mu- music and Bandcamp. And last, but certainly not least, is the local sponsors who help bring you this show each and every week, commercial-free, but we're going to give them a shout-out right now because of how much they mean to us. And first up, the main sponsor of everything we do, the people who provide us with the 8122 Production Studios, Dragon Master Games, located at 1235 Upper Front Street in Binghamton, New York. For all your Magic Gathering and gaming needs, visit them on the World Wide Web, DragonMasterGames.com. And if you're in the 607, or passing through the 607 and you want to find out about events happening at the shop, go ahead and like their Facebook page, Dragon Master Games. Also, Rex to Rods Auto Detailing, located at 2004 North Street in Endicott, New York. To call for an appointment, call 607-644-3389. When you're ready to put the pride back in your ride, don't forget to tell them the three fat nerds sent you. And last but certainly not least, our good friends over at Sci-Fi Horror Fest, which is going down August 25th and 26th in Vernon, New York at the Vernon Downs Casinos. Yeah, I understand that's, you know, quite a ways away, but right now the holiday sale is on at SciFiHorrorFest.com. You can get single day tickets and weekend passes on sale. Cheaper than you're going to be able to get them when they hit the regular uh, pay, you know, price that they're going to be at. So this is a perfect time to get them. And also, just announced Felissa Rose from Sleepaway Camp and Horror Icon, I would say, has been announced as one of the guests for Sci-Fi Horror Fest 2023. So make sure you check them out at SciFiHorrorFest.com. And once again, all of those links, if you forgot any of them, are located at 3FMPodcast.com. 
Good job there. Giving shout outs to everybody. It was big news for Felissa Rose. Okay. Well, we got news about the show, and then we got news about something else. So first, before we dive in any further, uh, the news about the show this week is because we had to call an Audible, because Glass Onion was not playing in the theater anywhere near us, we called the Audible, and we are going to be reviewing Clerks. So because Clerks was made in 1994, we are not going to do two separate sections, which means there's going to be no break in this show. When we get to the 3FN Movie Club review, we will do you know who's in the movie and everything, and then we'll go right into our review. We will warn you again that there is spoilers. Once again... Spoilers on an almost 30-year-old movie. So just wanted to make that clear so everybody knows going forward. And, you know, there's no confusion. Secondly, the nice part about having to call this Audible is a perfect time to make an announcement. So as a lot of you know, we launched a secondary podcast on the network that comes out twice a month that has to do with horror movies. I missed reviewing horror films. So therefore, if I wanted to get friends together, we're going to get guests from other places coming in at different times in the future to do it. And so we started 3FN Horror Show, which right here on the 3FN Podcast Network, you get it. You know, we've done a bunch of reviews. And last week, you know, we put out our latest horror movie review on 3FN Horror Show as well. So make sure you're checking all of those out. We really do truly, truly, truly appreciate it. Well, there's going to be a second show. So that happens twice a month. This other show is also going to happen twice a month, and the show is called 3FN Rewind. It is also on here, and it's going to be dealing with older movies. You know, sometimes on the main show, we do have to dip in and get an older movie because we just choose to do that over some movie we just didn't want to watch or maybe, you know, something fell through. So now it's kind of like, hey, there's a whole ton of movies, and we all are movie files, so we want to go back or you know, and, and watch everything we can. And we want to give opinions about things that are from the past that we grew up on, and maybe we don't even like them anymore because we've ran into that even on Patreon when we, where we do We Love Movies, and we do movies from the past there that, that the patrons pick. So now we're like, you know what? Let's do it here, and we're going to be launching that in December. As a matter of fact, the first episode of 3FN Rewind will be December the 9th, unless you're on Patreon, because they get it the day before. December the 9th, and we will be doing the holiday classic, Lethal Weapon. And then later in the month, uh, we will actually be doing trading places as well. So we're kind of sticking with the kind of the, the the theme, but we're not just doing big movies like those in the future. You're going to find out there's a lot of stuff on the tentative list that it's going to be coming out in the year 2023. So you're going to really, really want to be a part of that. And of course, next month, the 3FN Horror Show, uh, the two shows next month will be the original Black Christmas. And then also we will be doing Terror Train to end the month out. So keep your eyes posted on this network of podcasting for all of those episodes when they drop. And also this flagship show. So that is the announcements this week. How do you guys feeling about 3FN Rewind and 3FN Horror Show? Which we've already started Horror Show, but Rewind. Start with you, Diesel. Can't wait. Some good movies on the list. You guys don't know all of them that's in the horizon. And there's some there's some goodies in there. There's some real fine picks. Absolutely, Ron. Of course. You know, I watch things just to watch things. So it um, gives me a reason to actually do it again. So I'm all about it. Let's go. I love it. I love it. I hope you guys are enjoying all the extra content as well. And of course, that means more extra content for the patrons. So it makes extra Patreon. Content? Yeah, I know. Yeah, so, some people say that's bad. I know. You, I've heard that you can do too much content. Ugh. I wonder what those boys are up to. <laughs> Not making content. <laughs> With that being said, though, let's get into the actual meat and potatoes of the show. Because, you know, before we can hit the 3FN... Movie Club Review, we got to take a nice little stop over to... Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome to Diesel's Movie Triple Stuff. All right, we have a, we have a fun box office, a couple of debuts on this list. 
Uh, but coming in at number five, the movie we talked about last week, The Menu, pulling in another $5.2 million. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Devotion uh, breaks onto this list uh, with $6 million in its opening week. Nice. Awesome. We were talking about it. We didn't get to see it. Netflix is holding out on us. But Glass Onion at Knives Out Mystery pulled in $9.4 million. Amazing, since it was only on what? 600 theaters. 600 theaters. That's pretty impressive. And when I was up in uh, the Rochester area, because my friend George lives in Geneva, and we went out to the Eastview Mall, which is uh, right outside of Rochester, New York, they did have it playing at their Regal, but <laughs> nowhere near us. Uh, debuting this week to a disappointing, disappointing open, for, especially for a Disney uh, movie, Strange World with $11.9 million. You know what, though? I didn't hear a lot about that movie yeah. coming in. It yeah. was kind of like the, like, honestly, it was weird that they put it out without the hype. Usually there's a hype to Disney films. And obviously, I think that they're just kind of going into Avatar mode yeah. soon. I mean, remember, they bought all uh, all out the IMAX screens for Avatar. Yeah. And then number one on this list, and probably going to be number one next week, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, with another $45.9 million. Damn. <laughs> nice. Barely a drop-off from last week. Yeah, barely a drop-off. Uh, we were talking earlier in the ship before in the uh, Patreon pre-show, and uh, you were thinking it was going to be down to the 20s, and it was like, ooh. I said upper 20s, <laughs> early 30s, and I was wrong. Okay, I can, I can admit that. But I also, when you said the Knives Out made the top five, yeah. I was like, well, that's because the second place movie had to be like around $10 million. Yep. And I, I was wrong right. there. All right, but coming out this week, um, we have Emancipation. Yeah, that looks really good. Yep. Salvage Salvation. Savage Salvation. Savage Salvation. I, I actually did see the trailer for that. It's, it's interesting. I might check that one out as well. Safe Neighborhood. And then the movie we're going to be talking about next week, Violent Night, starring David Harbour. That's right. 3FN Movie and Club review next week will be Violent Night. And John Leguizamo. Yes, John Leguizamo. It'll be the second John Leguizamo movie we see in as many weeks. Did you see the report on who he based... Uh, his character off in the menu on uh, Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal. Sorry. Oh, nice. about, yeah. He's like, cause he's like, he's just a dick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then opening up next week on December 9th, we have empire of light spoiler alert and the whale. And uh, that week, because the whale's not getting a wide open, and we will be seeing that eventually, because I know me and Diesel are very interested in seeing it as the artsy duo. Uh, but uh, we are going to be giving uh, this week, check our Twitter and our, Instagram because we're going to be doing polls for a Christmas movie to review for the 3FN movie club that week. That's going to go down this week. So if you want to vote in those polls, check the social medias. You can find that at 3FNpodcast.com. All right. Now it's time for our top three. And this week, called an audible on this one too because of our Patreon pre-show talk. Your top three favorite celebrities who have done jail time or are currently still incarcerated. See, our patrons know exactly why this got picked, and I can't share. I wish I could share it with everybody, but it's on a tentative list. That's the only reason we can't share it. I know we're talking in circles, but hey, $1 a month, patreon.com slash 3FN podcast. Get yourselves entered in to get a holiday card and everything else. So I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I know I'm shilling for myself, but I'm just saying. Uh, so top three celebrities who have been incarcerated. I'm going with three that uh, kind of two of them happy ending and one of them that should have been a way better happy ending. My number three is Paul Pee Wee Herman Rubens. <laughs> First of all, he should have never gotten arrested because let's be honest. What else are you supposed to do in a porn theater? Yeah. Just saying. Just saying. He got railroaded. He definitely did. <laughs> definitely. Uh, number two, and I, I teased it during Patreon, is Judd Nelson. Member of the Breakfast Club, he was in uh, 
New Jack City yep. with the Ice T. Phenomenal. He's done some work and, and he's kind of made a comeback. He never got as large as I thought he should be, yes. but yeah, unfortunately, his demons got him when he was younger. But hey, he's still out there kicking it. And last. But certainly not least, and I think he's one of the biggest movie stars on the planet, and we all remember when he went through his train wreck, and that's RDJ himself, Robert yep. Downey Jr. Uh, yes, waking up one morning in some, and mind you, there was no little girl there, but some little girl's bed in a house that wasn't his uh, because he was so drunk and high out of his mind going to prison, and then to come back to be Tony Stark yep. is a pretty phenomenal yep. jump, so kudos on him. And uh, Ron, you're up. Uh, you got to go with Danny Trejo. Oh uh, yeah, you man! Know, you know he did he did some shit. <laughs> oh, he did some shit before oh, yeah, he was yeah, a star. Yeah, but you know, great guy though. No, uh, then we're gonna go all the way now. Well, it's Tim Allen. Screw it. <laughs> yeah, isn't that wild <laughs> to think that he was incarcerated <laughs> for, for coke, coke trafficking? Yep. Hey, listen, the tool man knows. <laughs> <laughs> the eighties were a rough time, my friend. And then obviously RDJ. I mean, yeah. come on, dude. RDJ's got it, probably the greatest story, comeback story of all time. Diesel. All right, we're gonna go. With a little uh, character actor, he was in uh, The 40-Year-Old Virgin, one of the um, Indian co-workers of the main cast, Shelley Malil, for oh. the attempted uh, premeditated murder of yep. his girlfriend. <laughs> yep. yep. Yes. As, as one does sometimes. Mm-hmm. It happens. Sometimes you actually succeed. And that's where you come <laughs> in with number two. One of my favorite stars from the TV show The Shield, he was also in the movie The Great White uh, uh, Hype, Michael Jace. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, but he did succeed. <laughs> Kudos to him. <laughs> she had it coming to her. And then number one, Mr. Hate Crime himself, Marky Mark, Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> you know, that's crazy. A lot of people forget that he did jail time as well. By the way, honorable mentions, because I do want to get a couple out there, because uh, this is like, I, I said this is one of my passion projects, pretty much. Uh, honorable mention to Sean Penn. Yep. Oh, yeah. Mickey Rourke. <laughs> yep. yep. Uh, any other honorable mentions? Oh, all right, so going with Danny Trejo, one of my favorite authors, and he was in a bunch of movies, like uh, he was in Reservoir Dogs and The Animal Factory, Edward Bunker. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, he's, he actually wrote The Animal Factory, and I, one of my favorite authors of all time. Then you got your, you know, you got your OGs. You got your O.J. Simpsons. I was going to say, O.J.'s a little easy, but yeah. <laughs> you got your Mike Tysons. You got your Don Kings. You got your James Brown, which might be top 10 mugshots of all time. It's definitely top 10 mugshots of all time. <laughs> definitely top But yes. Uh, you know, also we could go with, you got to remember, Hulk Hogan did get arrested once. Mm-hmm. So go to Hulk. You can go with, uh, you, there's a lot of people we go on this list. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Vanilla Ice. He was in a movie. He was in a couple movies. Maybe one day we'll review Cold as Ice. <laughs> Maybe. Teenage uh, Ninja Turtles. He was too, also, he, that was just a cameo, but true, he was in it. But listen, he was amazing, and that's my boy. He was great. Yeah. Uncle, Uncle, Uncle Vanny. Vanny. He, he playing himself, but still <laughs> fucking phenomenal. And he was tapping all that poon. <laughs> tapping it all. Uh, gotta love that list. And there's so many more. If you guys have any uh, that we didn't forget or that you want to throw at us, hit us up on the socials. Diesel's got one more Speaking over here. Speaking of tapping all that poon, <laughs> Mr. Bill Cosby. Oh, oh! Wait a minute, Diesel. Diesel! So y'all need to hide your kids, hide your wife, and hide your husband because they're raping everybody out here. And don't accept drinks from Bill Cosby. <laughs> also, if we're going to go on that tape, um, well, never mind. I'm not going to say his name because people end up dead to say his name. Mm. He's he the name said. Allegedly. Well, listen, I'm not saying his name just in case. Listen, Diesel's t- butthole gets tight when we mention Scientology. Mine gets uh, tight when we mention somebody who was in such movies as The Usual Suspect, Seven. The and big kahuna. The, yeah, and it goes on. We're just we're not baby driver. We're not mentioning names though. We're not mentioning names. 
people end up dead that way. We ain't about that life on these streets. We want to live till tomorrow. We got a lot of movies to see. There's a lot of shit that we want to see coming out. You know, I, I always say that the, the goalpost keeps moving to how long I have to live by the movies that are coming out. Yeah. So far, I think the furthest one out that we need to worry about right now would probably be uh, what Secret Wars. Yep. Yeah. So that's you know, so we got some time. That's like 2026. Kevin Fahey has given me a reason to live. Exactly. <laughs> Keep it coming. Keep it coming. Well, that's going to do it for this week's Diesel's Movie Triple Stuff. So you know, there's only one thing left to do. Welcome to Three Elephants Movie Club. Refreshments are available in the lobby. And please, keep our theater clean by disposing of trash in specified containers. And remember, gift certificates are available for any special occasion. Enjoy the show. It is now time for this week's 3FN Movie Club Review. And as I mentioned earlier, we had to call an audible this week. And it's fine because it gives us an excuse to review this movie that I think we all would love to review very much. So, with that being said, we are reviewing Clerks this week on this week's 3FN Movie Club Review. And this is, this is, a, this is one of those moments. This is one of those moments and I, I really want to not kind of like give a little backstory to why this means a lot to, to review this movie. Uh, the fact that we are podcasting today and we've never made it a big secret is because of the influence of Kevin Smith. We are in the generation of Kevin Smith. Yes. Yes. We are big Kevin Smith fans. Uh, Kevin Smith notoriously said, just do it. Just go out and do it. Just just start it. If you want to do a podcast, do it. You want to make a movie, do it. Whatever you want to do, do it. And this movie, and before we even dive into the movie, this movie was the golden age of independent films. You know, you had Slacker previous to this. You had El Mariachi previous to this. And then Kevin Smith came along and made Clerks, and it was that movie that we're going to review today, so I don't want to give too much away, that really had Hollywood go, maybe there is something to this independent business. And now, to the point that now, independent movies, although they still exist, there's a lot of independent movies that are directed by these big big actors or big directors, and they have these gigantic budgets, unlike these movies from the past. And it's, it's kind of an interesting... You know, game that gets played now where guys like Kevin Smith are still making indie movies for the most part, just a little more budget, but still making indie films at the end of the day. But it's almost like we're missing some of this old school where, you know, Robert Rodriguez was giving blood to make Al Mariachi. You know, and, and of course, Kevin Smith put himself into debt on credit cards yeah. and everything else. And we'll sold, get to the budget his, in a bit. Yeah, so, sold his comic book collection. Yeah, sold everything in his comic book collection. Took the $5,000 he got back from college yep. just to make this movie. And we'll get to the budget in a minute. Uh, but I just think that this is a golden age. And I know Diesel, as a huge independent movie fan to this day, I think this means a lot to you as well. Yeah, and this, this movie means a lot just to our friendships as well. We all bonded over certain shared interest and one of those interests was the Kevin Smith movies the VSU universe me and Rich have gone down for his bachelor party we went down to Jay and Silent Bob's secret stash like this is like when we all first met like somehow like when we first met Ron the topic of Kevin Smith came up and that's something that we all bonded over yep. so these movies are highly important to us as a whole and defined a generation yep 
And I'm sure you're going to hear us in the future talk about these either on this show, the, the future Kevin Smith movies, or on 3FN Rewind. Uh, but you have to start with the OG. Yeah. You have to start with the original. And when we're calling it Audible, and it was right around Thanksgiving. And for the folks on Patreon, once again, I'm, I'm not going to shill it and give the, the address, but the folks on Patreon got to hear 3FN After Dark is one of the shows we do for them as an exclusive. And me and Diesel scrapped an idea that we were going to do for that week's show to talk about some fun stories and our friendship and being thankful because it's the season to be thankful for your friends and family. So this movie, this this movie really embodies that as well. So this was the no-brainer audible when I had to call it audible. <laughs> and I'm excited that I did because I watched the movie for the first time in eh, about five years. I, I watch this a little more frequently. And there's some fun stories in there as well that we will get to later in the review. But... As I said in earlier in the show, we are not going to cut this in half. There is going to be no break in the show, and there is going to be no spoiler alert. We are just going to get, jump in and just give you, you know, the, the the rundown of the movie, like all the stats, actors, everything like that, and then we are going to switch on over to giving you the full-on review. There will be spoilers, but this movie came out in 1994, so I don't think that spoilers are really a thing because the movie is almost 30 years old. <laughs> There's this, not really any spoilers <laughs> in this movie. Exactly. It's kind of straightforward. Of course... Clerks, and I'm not even going to go to IMDb. I'm just going to give a, a brief synopsis. Clerks is a semi-autobiographical, uh, you know, story about Kevin Smith's life, yeah. uh, which revolves around working at a video store and also the Quick Stop convenience store. Yes, and it's about interesting people. And for anybody who's been a clerk or in retail, you know that this actually exists in the world, which is kind of intriguing and interesting as well. Uh, of course, it came out on October 19th of 1994. That's when it got its major release after it was purchased. Previous to that, it had been in a bunch of festivals, including Khan, Sundance, uh, The Met, and tons of everything else where it won awards, and it came up, up really in a kind of interesting way. Uh, the runtime of the movie is 92 minutes long. It was written and directed by Kevin Smith. Of course, Kevin Smith would go on, and I'm going to go with his uh, writing work first because he directed everything he wrote. Uh, so he wrote everything in the View Askew universe, whether that's Chasing Amy, Dogma, Mallrats, you know, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Backs, Jay and Silent Bob Reboot, Clerks 2, later on Clerks 3. Um, so all of those movies. Plus, he also wrote and directed Red State, Tusk, Yoga Hosers, Holidays, which is uh, an anthology of holiday horror movies that he wrote and directed a portion of. There was other yeah. directors involved. And then there's another one that he just directed called Kilroy Was Here, where he wrote and directed his part of the anthology as well. Next up, he did a couple movies that he directed that he didn't write, and that would be Zack and Miri Make a Porno and Cop Out. Did not write either of those movies, but he did it. And then there is a ton of movies that he ghost wrote for. Yes. Some we know, some we do not know, some we've been teased for years. Uh, if you would I'd like to know more about that, just watch An Evening with Kevin Smith, any of them, and he kind of lets you know where he does. One of them we do know very publicly was Coyote Ugly, yep. uh, although they scrapped everything. And then one part about the comic book was not the part he wrote, believe it or not. So there is like one thing in there that they left behind, but he did do a page one rewrite on it, which is interesting that they offered that to yeah. him. But Chasing Amy got everybody to realize he could write, yeah. which is kind of phenomenal. Uh, the cinematographer for this movie is David Klein. Uh, David Klein met Scott Moser, who was the producer on this film, and uh, Kevin Smith's best friend at the film school that they all went to after Kevin left. Originally, he was going to have somebody else do it, but then he was like, no, nah, let's go with David Klein. David Klein would come back in the USQ universe because he did Mallrats Chasing Amy, Clerks 2, and he also did Vulgar. 
Uh, so, yeah. it, which is not one of Kevin Smith's, but it is Brian uh, Brian Johnson's. Yeah, film. Brian Johnson wrote and directed Vulgar, but he he did the cinematography there as well. He also came back and did cinematography for because he did a lot of TV shows and such. That's what David Klein has done mostly in his career. Uh, he came back to work with Kevin Smith for Zach and Miri Cop Out in Red State. Most recently, he did five episodes of The Mandalorian as the director Ooh, of photography. Oh, sweet, nice. So David Klein has done a lot. Pretty much most of the big name television shows, he's done a few episodes if not entire runs. So he's made a real good career for himself out of this, just like Scott Moser has and Kevin Smith and everybody else in the View Askew universe. Uh, I'm just going to throw this out there. The actors in this film, especially when they were in this film, were unknown. Some of them were theater kids from the uh, surrounding Red Banks area. Some of them were just friends of Kevin Smith. Some of them went on to be in other things. I'm not going to really focus on it. Nobody's done like a gigantic... This is not one of the movies where we had Ben Affleck or Matt Damon in. You get to those in the next movies coming out. Now... Let's go over it because I do want to give shout outs because I love all these people. Brian O'Halloran plays Dante. Jeff Anderson plays Randall. Of course, the character that was written for Kevin Smith. So interesting enough. Uh, Marilyn Gugliata plays Veronica. Uh, Lisa Sp- uh, Spoonar, Spoonay, sorry, uh, plays Caitlin. By the way, the funny story about that, I don't know if you know how she got the job. She was actually uh, Brian O'Halloran's ex-girlfriend. Yep. <laughs> he had to go ask her to do a movie, and her only response was, is it a porno? He said no. She's like, I'm in. Yep. <laughs> uh, of course, Jason Mewes plays Jay, and uh, the backstory to that is literally Kevin Smith wrote the role for him as him. And when he wrote it, he went, and when he read it, Jason Mewes goes, I don't know if I can play this. He was like, you I, are just doing you. I don't say this. He's like, I don't say it. He's like, you just did. Snoochies. <laughs> Kevin Smith, of course, plays Silent Bob, more or less, as he points out, to be the puppeteer of Jay. Yeah. Uh, Scott Mosier has a few different roles in this movie. Uh, of course, uh, some of the, uh, the snowball role is one of our favorites of all time. Uh, like, and so many more. Of course, Walt Flanagan, got to give him a shout out. The Lon Chaney of independent films. <laughs> the future comic book man. I do believe he's like 12 characters in this yeah. movie yeah. overall. Yeah. He's like, yeah. And the story behind that, of course, is that as people would not show up in the lesser roles, they just needed somebody, so they would just dress him up yeah. as somebody else. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's kind of interesting. But yeah, David Klein's even in the movie. So pretty much everybody who was behind the camera was also in front of the camera at some time in this movie or another as well. Uh, so it's always awesome to see that. The initial budget of this film, when Kevin Smith made it and put himself into debt, $27,575. After Miramax purchased this film, the budget then moved up another $230,000. And the reason why? Music licensing. Uh, The one thing that they wanted to do was actually add music. The original cut of this movie did not have good music in it. It was just kind of like... Uh, local bands and like little stuff that they couldn't put in because they couldn't afford licensing. Miramax paid for the licensing. That's how you end up with Soul Asylum and yeah. everybody else, which is an amazing soundtrack, by the yeah. way. But that's how you ended up with it by spending another 230. So if you're doing the quick math, this movie was made for under yes. $260,000 overall. It's box office gross, and this is only the initial box office, $4.4 million. Yeah. So uh, Kevin Smith has famously said, as long as you always make money, you will always have a job in Hollywood. And that's not counting what this movie made between video store rentals, because that was the thing at the time, folks, and also on the secondary market, whether it be VHS, DVDs, Blu-rays, or now 4K Ultras, where this is, it sells yeah. really well. Yeah. yeah. This movie, the box office is a pittance. This thing developed its following at the movie shops, at the video yeah. stores, and 
took over. Like, this yeah. became a huge phenomenon. Oh, absolutely. So, that's going to do it for all this background and stats of the movie. It is now time for us to jump into our review. Once again, there will be spoilers, if you will. But this is also an almost 30-year film. I cannot stress that enough. All right, gentlemen, are you ready to review Clerks? Yes. Let's start off. We're not going to go through the whole movie. We're just going to pick our likes and dislikes about the movie. I'm going to I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have a lot of dislikes to this film, uh, especially because two things. And I know if you listened to the Thanksgiving double feature that me and Diesel did for 3FN Horror Show this past week, there is something about an independent movie that spends a l- really, really low budget, $27,575 even for that time was a nothing budget. Yeah. That's yeah. nothing. You shouldn't as a matter of fact, Kevin Smith while shopping the movie was told by multiple execs that you can't make a, a movie for under 5 million dollars. Yeah. Period. <laughs> and he's like, "Well, we spent a little under over 25,000." They're like, "Well, then you didn't make a movie then." And he, his response was, "Well, I guess I didn't make a movie." He really started to believe it. That's how many times he heard that cuz you cannot make a million even back then. They said 5 million was the lowest you could yeah. absolutely go, and even then 5 million wasn't really a movie. That was what he was led to believe. Although, when people started to sit down in front of this thing, they realized, holy shit, this is an art house film, which is basically what it really is. When you boil this movie down, a lot of the things that happened to this movie were out of necessity, out of the fact that they didn't have a budget. And on top of that, it turned out to be the best aspect of it because it became this great art house film. Like black and white film just costs less than color yep, film. Yep. And that is why the movie is shot in black and white for the most part. The other reason behind the black and white was because of lighting. He's like, I didn't understand lighting. Nobody else understood lighting. Fuck it. Then we don't need it if it's in black and white. Yes. The contrast is just there. That's also the reason why the gate is down full time. Because they wanted to act like it was daytime, although they were shooting overnights. So by leaving the gate down and making up the thing of they've jammed uh, gum in the lock again, it gave them the reason to be like, ha ha, we're shooting. They don't know when we're shooting. Yeah. And also, you don't have to deal with light glare. Yep. <laughs> so there's a lot of necessity that actually makes us, those are memorable things about this movie. The black and white, the, the gate being down, you know, I assure you we are open. Yep. Uh, you know, those are all memorable things from this movie, and they were all out of happenstance just to make this movie happen. Of course, the biggest thing in this movie, and I think the, the thing that draws a lot of, like, all the three of us and other people to this movie is the dialogue. This is a very dialogue-heavy movie. There's yes. not action scenes in this yeah. movie. There's no real action beats, and some of the funnier parts of this movie had to be cut out of the movie that were going to be, like, physical comedy, i.e. the funeral. <laughs> yep. Because they had to cut it out because they couldn't shoot it. They couldn't afford to shoot it. So they just cut it out. Even though it was in the script, years later, he would put it in a comic book. Yep. So we do know the scene that he would like to put in. However, a lot of the physical comedy that was originally in the script got cut because of cost. So that then you're relying literally on dialogue and conversation. This movie is big on dialogue and conversation. And I think that's the biggest shining star of the movie. Diesel, I know you'd like to continue. Oh, yeah, yeah. So this movie is just carried by, you know, the two main actors, uh, Dante and Randall. And then the side characters will, you know, introduce other points. But these, these two had such a great chemistry together. And their movie history has spawned, you know, 30 years together. Yes. And... All of the stuff that they had to like creatively work around wound up being s- such a positive for it. Like you said, with going black and white, because black and white film costs less, it made this movie feel unique. Like if it was, if this was in color, I don't think this would have had garnered the following it did. This was unique for its time, and it was great. 
And David Klein's contribution to that was, hey, well, CCTV at the time was all in black and white. So, hey, it's like we're shooting it from a CCTV perspective, so closed caption, which they would have there. And and I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. I thought that so it was unique. So they even had backstories, even though the real reason was cost efficiency. Yeah. But that's what makes this movie look amazing is to have the black and white. Um, you like I said, all the little things that they had to work around were so good. And like I said, the dialogue is what we all remember. Yeah. The dialogue is what gets you there. And of course, famously, whether you like him or not, you know, Harvey Weinstein did purchase this movie. That's who purchased the movie. Yeah. And when the first time he ever viewed this movie, when they get to the anti-cigarette portion of the movie, he just stormed out of the room because he was a chain smoker. Yeah. And didn't give it a second shot. So they conned him into going to Sundance and watching this film. And they sat him in the middle. The execs that wanted him to buy the film sat him in the middle so he couldn't just leave. Yeah. And then they told him, you can't. He was like, listen, if you don't like the movie, that's fine. But you cannot leave before the number 37 is spoken. <laughs> and so he sits there. And famously, uh, it was the last showing that they showed at Sundance. They ended up showing it. Originally, I think it was slated to show like five or six times. They ended up showing it over 10 times yeah. because every time people would come and more people would come. So they just added more showings because people were just loving this movie. They were like, holy shit, this movie is crazy. Yeah. And that was even with the original ending, which we'll talk about eventually as well. And he, Kevin Smith notoriously says, I hated that showing because there was somebody in the crowd the whole time that was making this loud, obnoxious laughing sound, this deep, loud, obnoxious laughing sound. And it just bothered me for some reason. It's like, he's like, I was used to laughing, but it was just this obnoxious sound. And come to find out it was Harvey Weinstein <laughs> who purchased the film. So it was kind of an interesting thing. They went across the street to diner and history was made because yep. Scott Mosier and Kevin Smith sold the film right on the spot. And then they added the things in and it got wide release. But it's really kind of an interesting dynamic with this film and how it got made and, and how everything came about. But the 37 is one of my favorite things of all time because, of course, notoriously, he finds out that his girlfriend has sucked 37 dicks. Well, originally 36. Not including him. <laughs> not including him. And then he goes, like, is that including me? And she goes, 37. <laughs> and it's such a great thing. Of course, you have the famous, try not to suck any dick when you walk across the parking lot. <laughs> Can you believe she sucked 37 dicks and throughout the rest of the movie? Like, I found out today my girlfriend sucked 37 dicks. And the, the response was always, in a row? In a row? <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like this, like, uh, yes, it's childish humor, but it's such a good fucking bit of dialogue. There, there was a movie, I forget what it was, but it had uh, Brian O'Halloran playing like a father in a movie. They're playing Scrabble together. And at one point, you know, it's just like a interlude between scenes, but it's just like him going thirty seven because he scored thirty seven <laughs> points. <laughs> yeah, see, it, it follows you around. It's yeah. such an epic piece of business. You know what I mean? Of course, you know. Th- there's way more childish stuff in the movie. I mean, we get introduced to Jay and Silent Bob, and Silent Bob is mute. He doesn't talk. Mm-hmm. Well, we find out he's not technically mute because he can talk. Just, and it, it, Jay's it, always talking. Jay's always talking. And and by the way, the birth of Kevin Smith as Silent Bob dropping the one bit of dialogue that is important to the film only started in this film because Jay Muse couldn't say the lines. Yeah. So Kevin had to say them himself as Silent Bob, and then that would carry on in every other movie that whenever there's something important, 
fucking he does it. Of course, like the Chasing Amy story. That's where you get the movie from. You know, you're chasing Amy, and then he tells the whole story. And then, uh, like, one of my personal favorites is the callback. And and I know we're not reviewing it now, but Jay and Silent Bob straight back when Jay's like, "You can always tell people about that shitty Amy story, <laughs> but you can't tell me when it's." <laughs> oh, these cheese fries are fucking dope. <laughs> or hey, look at that over there. That girl's got a fat ass. No, but you can tell by that fucking stupid story ad nauseum. <laughs> it said critters of Hollywood. You stupid, stupid fuck. fuck. <laughs> Say it, don't spray it. Oh. It's such a great, but that was later on. But that doesn't exist if happenstance. And right. Jay Muse drops a line. Also, famously, Jason Muse does a dance outside of the quick stop. And he, even though you you know him for five seconds, as Kevin Smith would say, and he would act like he was sucking off any kind of phallic symbol, he would not dance in front of the cast, anybody in the crew. They had to literally set up the camera, set up the shot, but go, I guess you're good to go, and walk away so he would do that. The only person that could be there was Kevin, yeah. who was playing Silent Bob, just standing in the background. <laughs> there could be no camera guys, no nobody else, even though he knew everybody. Yep. <laughs> he was just he, a shy boy that they'd picked up at the youth center years ago, and he would do all this wacky stuff, and then the camera's on him. He's like, I, I don't dance. Yeah. No, I don't dance. Oh. You dance all the time. <laughs> it's all you do. <laughs> but, you know, you, so you have that, like, this great stuff. And, uh, of course, I think we can all say a positive, uh, Berserker. Yes. My love for you is ticking clock, Berserker. Would you like to making fuck, Berserker? <laughs> Did he just, just say, say making, making fuck? fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, once again, you can quote this. This movie is so easily quotable. I know we're having a good time. Hopefully, you guys are having one at home and remembering all the stuff. It's like, that's what I, and the story is there. The, the story is there, and it's this bizarre story following these two guys where, you know, it's just a day in the life of, you know, retail workers. But, you know, his new girlfriend comes in after, you know, or ex girlfriend comes in after a fight and winds up having sex with the dead dude in the bathroom. <laughs> And you're That's just like, later in the movie, yeah. yeah, but you're just like, where the fuck did this come up with? Like just this juvenile humor, this outlandish story, but it is honestly like a heartfelt story through and through, even with all the juvenile humor. Well, like you said, you have, you have Dante who's not even supposed to be here today. You learn that out throughout the whole day. You're not even supposed to be there. And then on the other hand, you have Randall who doesn't take anything serious in life. The ultimate slacker mm-hmm. working the ultimate slacker job. They stop fucking working at one point during the day to play roof hockey yep. roof street hockey is what they decide to do because they had a hockey game fuck it put up a sign so we'll be back you know what quarter is it <laughs> <laughs> you know you got people yelling at them you know you have the weird fucking cigarette rep come in you have the the, the gum the Julie's gum Julie's guy gum. Come, in, come in to counteract things and just be a marketing dude you have like the weird egg lady and the milk lady or the weird egg guy sorry then yeah. the milk lady which is actually his mom out of happenstance and then you have like so you have all these customers and different people and then there's a story where you have Dante and his new girlfriend and he can't get over the fact that she sucked 36 other dicks 37 counting him and then he sees his ex-girlfriend who is the true first love of his life and they look like the flings are going to go back on and then somewhere during the movie an old man goes to the bathroom but nobody knows he never comes out and then finally Caitlin ends up thinking it's Dante and she ends up sleeping with a dead body and that wrecks her so it's all this crazy happenstance like Diesel said and in between all that there's these great things of dialogue and yes juvenile but still fun where they're discussing jizz cleaners at, at porn shops they're discussing Discussing the uh, contractors on the Death Star. 
Mm-hmm. Like, are they at fault? You know, they were innocent contractors. Well, no, they, they they had the risk. They knew the risk when they were taking the job. <laughs> and then, of course, you had the one contractor who goes, well, I'm a contractor. And this mob guy wanted me to build his house, but I knew that could be a risk. Buddy of mine took the job. You know what? They tried to, they tried to put a hit on the guy. My buddy ended up getting shot. Two kids. Very sad thing. No father. <laughs> Offer a little bit of extra money. It's, it's a very sad thing, you know? Then we have Salsa Shark. <laughs> you know? So, like, this 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 whole movie is, like, really predicated between real life and any of us who have worked in retail or fast food or any kind of service job, you understand that, man, this is kind of real life and this is how real life works and real life friendships work. And it, it holds true to this day. Yeah. Watching it with George when I was in Geneva, I'm like, oh, man, this movie's still fucking great. Yeah. yeah. It's still fucking great. Give you the highs and lows between actual friendships. You know, the relationship between Dante and Randall gets strained at certain moments, but you can tell that they do love each other. They are best friends. The relationship with, you know, Dante and his girlfriend and ex-girlfriend were earnest, like, relationships. Real concerns where Randall just tells him, like, why are you being an idiot? Yeah, she sucked a lot of dick, but she's with you now. Not everyone's going to bring you a homemade lasagna while you're stuck working. Like, she's a good one. Like... It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. there was just so much like honesty and like truth in like how relationships were portrayed in this movie. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Anything you want to add, Ron? It was uh, it was a movie that I didn't know about at first because this was before the internet was yeah. a main thing. I just happened to see it on the wall on at the video store uh, at the time, and it was one of those movies where it's like you kind of heard rumblings, like "Oh, it's shot to look like a." security camera so that's why it's black and white blah, blah, blah. even though you, we all know later but you know back then you're just hearing the so like i picked it up took it home watched it loved it. it was like my favorite thing and i've watched it every time since didn't really like I said because the internet was still new and stuff like i didn't really realize kevin smith did anything else because i you know i'm like okay whatever i wasn't really that into all at all until i started working with roadie josh he's like you never saw mall rats you never saw this like this is i'm like oh no i didn't realize this so we went that's how josh and i became friends so it is a telling of a story and we've all been there where it's just like it's a group of friends and this is what they do and it, you have those stupid conversations like oh you know who, who's the real bad guy in the you know on the, the death star blah, blah blah that it's all conversations we've all had and it's just such a solid movie that it it just hits you and it, like the fact that it's gone on for 30 years and we were able to get a conclusion to the story also makes this an epic story. Okay. Agreed. And I, I think that goes into the fact that this movie famously had a an original ending that was changed, thankfully. <laughs> yes. Uh, because in the original movie of the ending that Kevin Smith wrote for the movie was that as uh, Dante closes the store, he gets robbed and shot and murdered. And that's how the movie ends. Very dark, very whatever. And it's a payoff on the how many times he says, I'm not supposed to yeah. even be here today. So it was kind of like that line was the line in his head that goes, oh, we're going to do this line. And the payoff for that line is actually he dies. Yeah. And how shitty is it that you die on your day off? You die at work on <laughs> yeah. your day off. And and it was, it was genius and people liked it, but people were like, you know, it probably would be better. <laughs> If we had a happier ending, maybe logically it should end where Dante and Randall close up the store and just go home. Yeah. And, you know, it's another day and people will relate to it better, which is true. <laughs> so, I, you know, and I, I, you, we've seen brief clips, never in its entirety, because I don't think it exists in its entirety. Or Kevin Smith claims it doesn't exist in its entirety. The entire final scene. There is, there is parts of it that exist. Yeah. 
or parts that he was willing to release. So we do have the part where he's laying on the ground. We have the part where the gun gets pulled on him. And that's the only thing I've ever seen for the ending of the film. So we know it exists. He admits it exists. He's just never released it as a full-on, yeah. here it is. Because I think at the end of the day, the right judgment was to leave it the way it was. And yeah. then we got to come back to it. And we got to come back to that universe. And if we would have ended it there, we don't get to come back to the universe. And honestly, I don't think Kevin Smith is where he is today. No. no. You know, and, and in a lot of ways. So uh, it, I think that that was a very, very good change. Um, with that... Negatives. Do you have any negatives? And if so, what are they? Let's start with you, Diesel. He's he's kind of puzzling here. Uh, I'm trying to think. Like doing the the rewatch. I watch this movie like yearly. This is one of the ones that's in the constant rotation. I think this movie holds up. But I don't know if it's going to hold up past this one generation. I think once we get one more generation removed, I don't know if this movie holds up as a classic. What are you saying? Kids crying about working at Starbucks is going to really do <laughs> or, damage to this or, movie? Or McDonald's and having to do dishes so they quit? Yeah. yeah okay. Um, there, there are some, you know, some flubs in this movie, but and all that. But all that's forgiven. Like this is a truly a classic movie. Um, even like the how they switch from scene to scene with the you know the the vocabulary words up there. Like everything about this movie. Like I don't really have any negatives about it. By the way, did you did you know the reason for the cue cards? The little cute title cards in between? It's because Kevin Smith loosely ba- wanted to base it on Dante's Inferno. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hence Dante's Purgatory. name. And also all of the things are part levels of hell. So yeah. basically it's the levels yeah. of hell he's in. So I thought that was all a unique little take. So mixing in more of that art house into this independent film, which is I think doesn't go missed upon a lot of people. I, I don't have a lot of problems with yeah. this film. Like, I'm going to be quite honest with you. Some of the shoddy acting like actually lends to it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, you know, Walt Flanagan playing 12 different parts. Like, all these things are stuff that, like, as a fan of the VSQ universe, like, were stuff that you like to pick out. Be like, oh, yeah, I never noticed that Walt played him or yeah. something like that. Yeah, later on. Yeah. When it's happening, though, like, if you put yourself in it, there's a couple. Like I said, there's some little things that you're not going to nitpick. Yeah. Obviously, it's like, oh, some of the acting could have been better. Once again, none of them were, like, traditional Trained actors. They were, they were at best theater kids. Yeah. That was the yeah. what the best that they were were doing local community theater. That was the best acting he got. Yeah. You know, and, and there's nothing against them because they did an amazing job and would go on to continue to do some amazing jobs. I mean, Jason Mewes, for Christ's sakes, wasn't even a, a an actor at yeah. all. No. Yeah. Like no, he's no, just no. a kid that's that's fucking bombing around a town smoking weed and saying dumb shit <laughs> and, and and here we go, catch him on tape. Yeah, they met him at a youth center where uh, him and uh Brian, Brian, Brian Johnson, Walt, Brian Walt. Johnson, Walt worked at. <laughs> yeah, they all worked there, and they met. That's where they met. You know, and so like you have this, like the detractions are actually things that you can play in. Yeah. Did you have any negatives, Ron? Before we go any further. Overall, no. I mean, like I said, I love this movie since the moment I saw it. I mean, like it, like the negatives are, it's not the best of acting at the time, but it's you also got to take it as it's a first film, independent film. Yeah. They like I said, no name actors, no name actors, but it's grown so much. Like yeah. you can outlive and outlook all that stuff, knowing where it started and where it came from. It is definitely one of those films that you know hit at the right time and made Kevin Smith into who he is now. I mean, you know, it is what it is, I, and we are here because of that. So absolutely, well. That's going to do it for our review section. Well, you know, guess what time it is, guys? It's one of one of Ron's favorite parts. It's time to play the game. Time to play the game. 
That's right, it's time to play the game. Of course, Diesel coming out on top somehow last week, defending the crown just by the skin of his teeth. Can he repeat that performance? Or is Grog gonna finally take it back? We'll find out momentarily. The game is the game is simple. We take scores from around the internet, and these guys basically price the right rules. Closest to the number without going over gets the point. The first person to three points gets the victory. And if we have to get to a tiebreaker question, that is closest to the number because we don't do fucking ties. Also, sometimes it's worth two points because it's a lot of fun. So, gentlemen, are you ready to play the game? Yes. Oh, yeah. Ron, you are the challenger. You get to go first. IMDB, out of 10, using points, what did they give clerks? 7.2. Diesel. I'm not trying to screw you. 7.7 is in my head. It is fine. 7.7? Yep. 7.2. Yeah, it's probably 8.1 or something. Diesel hit it right on the head. 7.7 out of 10. Diesel gets a point. Diesel was cheating. He was looking it up. Diesel. Metacritic. This critics only, obviously, out of 100%. What did they give clerks? 75. Ronald. Oh, uh, I don't know if it's that high. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go 40 just to oh, yeah. hedge. Yeah. Hedge your bets? Hedge yeah. your bets? Good. Hedge on the bets. Ron, you get the point. It was 70%. Okay. okay. Diesel busted. Uh, Ron, you get to go next. This is Ron Tomato's critic score. The critic score. Out of 100%, what did they give clerks? 66. Diesel. 70. <laughs> 70. 66. And Diesel goes up two points to one. It was 90%. No, I, Whoa. I would not have got 90%. <laughs> Diesel, you now get to go first. Rotten Tomatoes fan score out of 100%. What did they give clerks? 90. We'll say the fans are like it just as much. 20. 20 and 90, so he's hedging his bets here, folks. And Ron ties it up. It is 89%. Diesel busted by one. By the way, rare instance where the critic score is in the fan score close, but in this case, the critic score is actually one point higher, which is interesting. So that means it comes down to the final question, and this is closest to the number for the win. Starting with Ron. Google users, out of 100%, what did they give clerks? 85 Diesel. Going with my standby, 88. 85. 88. We're going to have to have a winner either way, obviously. So, your winner and still champion, Diesel. It was 90%. Ooh. Just two points off. (laughs) Two points off for the, the win. I'll tell you what, though. Those are very high scores. Yeah, they, were, they stole. You know, up. you know, it's funny. It's, 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 I. Everybody asks about this movie, this little art house film that could. It scored highly with the critics. It scores highly with the fans. I'm, I've always been flabbergasted about how great this movie actually came out because you don't see that a lot. You usually see if it scores high with the fans, the critics kind of, you know, eh, you know. That's it's, that's whatever. Yeah, it's very rare you get both fans and critics. It's usually one or the other where. Fans love the movie, but critics hated it. Or critics love the movie, and fans were just like, eh, I don't get it. Yeah. This is one of the ones where everyone was on the same page. Well, now that we've gotten the internet scores, it's time to give our scores. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, so we're going to give the nerd scores, and then I am going to give my critic score of Clerks. The nerd score is simple. It's a three-part score 
Remember, at the end of the day, it is actually a recommendation. So that's one part of the score. The other part is the critic score and the entertainment score, which means that it can be critically bad, but if it's super entertaining, so we would recommend it, it can get a higher score than the nerd score. Also, movies that are super critically good could technically get loose points because they're not as entertaining. So this has got to remember, this is all over the place. My critic score is a little more you know, in, you know, know, precise than that. But the nerd scale is as follows. A one is no. That means it's a terrible movie. You should never watch it. Do not waste your time. No. A two is you've been warned. That means it's not terrible, but it ain't good. So you've been warned not to watch that movie. A three is, ah, it's good. And that just means that it's going to be a average to good movie. It's not exactly movies that you have to run out and see. They're not essential. But at the same point in juncture, if you end up watching it, it's not like you're going to hate it. It's not like a waste of your time. But it's not something that you need to go out of your way to see necessarily. A four is just take my money. These are the very good to great films. These are the movies that are kind of an essential watch that you really are going to want to see. They're movies that probably are going to end up in your rotation. Uh, you know, whether that's yearly, two years, five years, whatever, you're still going to watch them multiple times. It's worth spending money on the Blu-rays or the 4K Ultras or just keep replacing them like we've all had to do with every Kevin Smith film. Uh, it's also worthwhile if it's in the theater to go see in the theater. Just take my money. And last but certainly not least is the Rarified Air that is known as Certified Nerd. These are where the great movies go to rest. Movies like Jaws, Jurassic Park, the original Halloween. This year alone, we've put on there, ironically enough, unanimous decision, Clerks 3 was a certified nerd movie this past year. Also, uh, we put The Batman up there. You two gentlemen picked Amsterdam to be up there. So we've gotten some uh, pretty banging movies this year up in that certified nerd area. So it's not like you can't break into it. It's not unbreakable. It's very doable. With that being said, though, it is now time to give the nerd scores, gentlemen. Starting with Ron, what is your nerd score for Clerks, and why? So originally, when this movie first came out, uh, it was definitely a four. It was always going to be a four. With everything that's come out afterwards and gone, like I, I push it to a five. And this is just because it's thirty years of a story. I enjoy it. I watch it all the time. The way that we've gotten the conclusion through all the way through to Clerks three. Like, it, it's an overall story, overall arc. I believe I said that with Clerks 3, with it being the overall star, story and arc, it that's why that's, you know, 5. This is definitely a 5. Like, you get, the, you get the beginning of the story, and you can get the end of the story in one, finally, and it doesn't take a lot of time. So Absolutely. Diesel, your nerd score and why? I've been lying to you guys for, like, 20 years now. This movie's overrated. Fuck no, it's a five. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the movies I would put up there and probably like in the last, you know, fifty years, probably one of the most important movies ever made. Like this is up there with, you know, Reservoir Dogs, how it changed the action genre. This is this changed the genre where not every movie needs an action beat. This movies can be dialogue driven and still be a good comedy and still tell, tell a really good dramatic story. This is a classic. This is a five. Absolutely. Uh, in 1994, when this movie came out, I, I've told this story before, and I, I'm just going to repeat it very briefly here. In 94, when this movie came out, I was 11 years old. My mom rented this from the video store. Video King at the time was our local yeah. video store. When this movie came out, I watched this movie. Uh, she was aghast because she didn't know what the fuck was going on. And, you know, me, the only part I remembered of this movie from that first initial watching was the uh, jizz cleaner portion, which obviously an 11-year-old would remember. Fast forward to 1999 and the movie called Dogma came out. 
And now you have Rich, who is a 16-year-old man. And I went to see Dogma in the movie theater because, I'm going to be honest, Chris Rock was in the movie. And I was a big Chris Rock fan uh, as a comedian. Also, George Carlin. I was big, I've been a big stand-up fan for a long time. So I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to go see this movie. And I'm watching this movie, and I don't connect the two because even though Jay and Silent Bob are in the movie, I don't really remember Clerks. But after I got out of the movie... Somebody was like, hey, you know that guy directed other movies that tie into this. And I was like, what? And I was like, how did I never know this? Because yeah. I've always been a big movie fan. Same thing. So I said, okay. So I went back and I rewatched Clerks in 1999 for the first time and remembering it. And at 16, I had this gigantic appreciation for Clerks. I followed it by watching Rats and then Chasing Amy. And I fell in love with watching Kevin Smith films at that point. And it wasn't Dogma that made me fall in love with it. I did enjoy Dogma. But it was going back and watching Clerks and going, holy shit, this movie is amazing. And as a young man who loved watching cinema, even at 16, I've always loved movies. And I was like, this is the fucking, this is what I want to watch. And then I was a fan from there on out. So with that being said, obviously, I give this a five. It's certified nerd. And uh, when I think about my score, and it's not even just a fan score, watching this movie and going, man, they made this movie for $27,000. We'll say 28000 because it was 27575 But let's just say 28000 Let's then say the, the movie we saw, we'll say it was 260000 yeah. just because. Because obviously it was the music. When you look at that and you go, shit, I've seen movies that were made for $30 million, $40 million, fuck, $200 million. They were the absolute dog shit, horrible things. I've seen terrible movies that had gigantic budgets. And what they did with this budget and the fact that this comes across as not only an art house film, but still pulls off dick and fart jokes, which is kind of amazing that it, <laughs> it, it attracts the art house crowd and the dick and farm jo- uh, fart jokes job. As a matter of fact, and it's going to get a lot better because remember, Chasing Amy's only a few years away, 1997. Yep. And in Chasing Amy, he then once again masters this art house and dick and fart joke movie and just makes this beautiful combination. But this movie alone... With not having many mistakes in it, I give it a 9 out of 10. And I mean that wholeheartedly. I know there's some people who don't like this movie. That's fine. But when you're talking about me, 9 out of 10 all fucking day. I think that's a fair score, Diesel. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Like I said, this is one of the most important movies that come out in the last 50 years. It changed the genre. It showed that independent movies could be successful. And it spawned many careers. Mosier, David Klein, Kevin Smith. The actors that he got involved in these movies, like everyone, like there's a lot of Kevin Smith babies out there now. <laughs> well, let's just go into Mallrats, which eventually we'll, we'll go about. You know, Ben Affleck, very young Ben Affleck, yep. pre-winning an Academy Award Ben yep. Affleck, you know, and then going on to Chasing Amy. And you had all these fucking lower, like in Mallrats, you have people who are actors at this point, but... They were lower-tiered actors at the time. You know, I think the biggest actor in that movie at the time it was made was Shannon Doherty. Shannon Doherty and um, Jeremy London and Jason Lee. I mean, at that time, I think he was more known for skateboarding. Yeah, yeah. Oh, without So, yeah. Complete certified nerd across the board, as it should be. If you would like to discuss this movie with us, hit us up on those social medias. If you need to know how to find those social medias, or if you need to know how to find the Patreon link, the Public link, Friends of the Show link, the musical directory, or the local sponsors like Dragon Master Games, it's simple. Just go to 3fnpodcast.com. It's your one-stop shop. It's a place to get all the information about everything we do here, including 607TWS and everything else. Just remember, go to 3fnpodcast.com. 
Ron, I believe you have a little bit of business to take care of, though. Uh, three out of ten stars. Another special effects disaster. I don't understand how anyone who w- has read the books can like this film. Acting is awful. The film is full of pointless statistic violence. It is insane that this film is shown to really young kids. This is not a Tolkien movie. It is a Terminator movie without Arnold. And the body count is bigger. It is an, it, it is plain to see that everyone is made with a calculator to maximize the profit. Violence sells. Most of the Tolkien magic from the books is gone. All that is left is an empty shell that is used to stage a massacre. It is sad to see that this is the kind of rubbish is enough for so many people. Of course, if you are used to see only this kind of stuff, you are not expecting any better. Tolkien must be rolling in his grave. Three out of ten stars. Lord of the Rings just sucks, people. And I know it wasn't you. I know it was definitely the way the review was written. Tolkien was rolling in his grave because that guy did not master the English language. <laughs> Folks, when you're writing a review, I'm not saying oh, I'm I, perfect. When you're writing a review, at least make sure it's readable. Well, and also, I'm a horrible reader. I will, I will admit right, that. Right, right. But, but like, that wasn't you. That's no, why no, I said no. I knew that was not you. That was definitely the, yeah. <laughs> the Me no likey. <laughs> he should have just said that. I would have been better with that. Well... That's going to do it for this week's episode of the 3FN Podcast. Join us next week as we will be reviewing the brand new movie, Violent Night, for the 3FN Movie Club Review. Until then, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and most importantly, later, nerds! Later. Time to go watch Happy Scrappy Hero Pop. Or the rings just sucks people. The evidence is